Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I have flaws. I understand them. I have no patience. And I'm utterly selfish. I grew up only caring about myself. I'm an utterly selfish human being. If I do something for you, the cost is I have to tell you nine times, look what I did. Right? That's, oh, yeah. That's there's what there's I do. always a record. Right. Yeah. That's what I do. So I'm not. Yeah. The ledger, the diary. God knows I'm not without flaws. These are my flaws. Now, some people would try to work on their flaws. Me, I think they're charming. So, but they're not. They're not. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Not without flaws. <laughs> Not without flaws, and I know them. All right, um, let's get to a couple of things. Chuck Todd is in the process of having another losing day. He cannot win at this point. Chuck Todd is he's two and four. So the best he can do is three and four if Seattle covers tonight. If Seattle covers tonight. Which is a big if with Geno Smith. I told him. I told him that Baltimore was in for a letdown against yes. Cincinnati. You were right on I that. I made that very clear, and that's yep. I didn't think they'd win outright by 20 points, but I said, are you sure about that? I told him Tennessee was a good team, and Kansas City has no defense at all, and he took Kansas City as well. I also, you know, I also told him that Aaron Rodgers doesn't care about winning big, so I was wrong on that one. Well, WFT if, helped helped him out there. Yeah, but if <laughs> yeah. he Taylor if he, right, if he listens Sliding to me, first. <laughs> if he listens to me, he's two and one instead of one and two. Right. If he listens to me, but he doesn't listen. Jeff Ma pulled a good one yesterday. I felt Jeff Ma. What was his record over the weekend? Jeff Ma, he's still waiting. He's got New Orleans tonight, oh. not Seattle. He goes opposite, goes oppo, as we say in baseball now. <laughs> Never heard that before until this year. He goes oppo on Monday Night Football, but he's three and one. Okay. He had a really good one. He had Miami plus two and a half against Atlanta, and Miami came back and scored twice late and got it within that margin. He had Detroit plus 16 and a half against the Rams, and Detroit almost actually won that game. So he had a couple of really good ones. He also had Kansas City against Tennessee, so I don't want to give him all the credit in the world. But I'm just reviewing some of the betting. Carville, yeah, how Carville took do. gas. He the contrarian. Gas. And the monkey with a winning week, right? Monkey had a 2 and one week. 2 and one Carville took some gas here. 2-4. and four. He's now 13-17. and 17. Went contrarian. Won the first game, Iowa State. It's a good start. Then, then, yeah, he had a good start. And that's what happens. Then you get out of the blocks, you win in for 20 yards, and then you're not winning. Anymore. All right. Um, let me get to what I think is the big news of the day in my life. I walk out the door this morning at 6.05, 6.10 to walk Chessie. And what do I see up the street but a trailer? Mm-hmm. As they play hide the trailer again, the kid in his gap year, if anybody still believes <laughs> Just that. Just lives around the corner. Yeah. If the kid in his <laughs> gap the street, year, actually. Th- there's another trailer there. This one has the door open. This one has no identifying markings. There's no license plate it's on It's ready for market. Yeah. It is, yeah. It, they're trying to sell this trailer, is my guess. This kid, and I'm sure the other kid that works with him. You could buy it. It already fits in on the block. Yeah. It, it's perfect for the block. Really? It has no license plate whatsoever. And the door is open. The door, as if it's an open house, as if they're trying to sell it. So the is it staged? door is open. I, I didn't look in, except as I was walking by, but I yelled, hello, hello, because I wanted to say something to someone. They'd come in the middle of the night to drop this off. Well, what would you do if someone just poked his head out? 
Hey. I would say, hey, what are you doing? This is the third trailer. What are we doing here? Got some this sugar? is not a trailer lot. And then I would have moved on. But now I got to call. Who's our, our uh, councilwoman, Janice? Call Janice, and I got to call Matthew, Matthew Landrew. Yeah. And I got to say, here we go again. Here we go again. And other people on the street are going to call the police. Well, we got that's that, what they we, do. We yeah, got that. Tom calls the police. We got that parking connection. Remember, we, we didn't fully mention that. I've got that. I've got her name. I'm going to be writing her an email. I don't have a number for her, but I'm going to be writing her an email when this show is over. A long email. So what are we doing here? I mean, honestly, what are we doing here? This is the third time this has happened. Well, you and think they come in actually, the middle of the night. Well, they know you're asleep. They could actually come at 930. Well, it's not me. they got to come in the middle of the night for everybody but you, on the Your block. theory is this might actually be the second trailer that has just it's been possible. refurbished. It's the same uh, shape and size. Yes. The paint, it appears to have had a paint job yes. of some sort. It's better. Yes. I think they're now in the selling the trailer business. Yeah, the I think they're using our street as a business. And I don't think you can do that on a residential street. Do a, do a trailer repair and sale you business. Do a, you do a podcast. Yes, I do do a podcast indoors, not bothering as, people. As Comcast in terms of knows, you're, you're you're running a business here. You bet I am. <laughs> I am. They can run a business indoors if they can fit that trailer in a house. Yeah. Knock yourself out. If they lived on the block, they don't live here, right? I might cut them a little bit of slack because it's like, look, this is where I live, so if, I'm working on a. If place. they lived on the block, they wouldn't be putting this thing in in the middle <laughs> of the you night. Just communicated with the neighbors. Hey, just need two nights to get this thing back up. You know, we're, we're taking it out of the state. Call no, somebody. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Well, what about the poor people that just moved in? To the house on the corner. They're renting the house on the corner. And every fourth day, I thought it was gone, but like now it's two weeks. Yeah. And then they, here's another trailer out my back window. And it's just the fact that it's in the middle of the night it makes it seem very sketchy. It is We're sketchy. do this when no one can see us or challenge us, and, just, and then we'll take it away in a couple of days. But, yeah, it's, it's an eyesore. It's terrible. I want the police to come. I want them to put a ticket on it and tow signs on it, and then I want it to be towed away. Towed away to a, a municipal D.C. lot. Now, I don't get that call, but I will be calling my council member again and her aide again, and I will be calling the person in charge of parking in the city. Sure. Call, not calling. I'll be emailing because I don't have a number. The world is stacked against me <laughs> because nobody answers in their phone. In this one small way. Nobody yeah. answers their phone. You no. can't call. You can't express... Outrage in an email is not the same as outrage on a phone. Well, no. maybe with WordTune, you could, you could get that right tone. You know, we're going to have WordTune later as a sponsor. And, and maybe if I had a team, you know, maybe you guys would join my team and then I could write. Do not attach but, my good name to anything that you write. Let me just say this. I know how to write an angry letter. I know how to do it. <laughs> yes, well, why don't you just drop that off in the 311 portal? See if they get to, see if they get to that it's ticket. It's annoying. Let me say something that, that not just cheered me up, but thrilled me beyond words. Uh, as some of you know who watch the PTI program, our official 20th anniversary, and you also know that I'm opposed to uh, any celebrations or any acknowledgement of 20 full years, but it was Friday. I should have, as I said many times, quit on Thursday night <laughs> and gone 19364 and just walked away, but I didn't. Um, I was told by uh, Matt Kelleher, you know, that don't prepare any happies for Friday. This would be Thursday when I get ready to prepare them for the next day. He says, no, we're going to do a tape piece. I said, okay, great. We're going to do a tape piece. I'll write an introduction for it. And I wrote an introduction for the tape piece, thinking all along that it would be a montage, a dopey montage 
of junk that Will Bond and I had done over 20 years. It, I wouldn't even watch it. Because, I mean, it just depresses me to see how old I am, <laughs> how young I was, relatively speaking. 20 years is 20 years. So I read the introduction, and then on the screen, and they enable me to see the screen. And that doesn't usually happen. I'm usually staring into prompter or staring into Wilbon, but not what's on television. Barack Obama starts to talk. And I am stunned. And he doesn't just say congratulations. He goes on for about three minutes. And he says the nicest. He tells some funny stories about us with the added benefit of being true. <laughs> and then he says the nicest things about the show and what the show means and how the show fits into the fabric of the United States of America and why he likes it and why he thinks it's important. And I get tears in my eyes. I'm not kidding. I'm stunned by this. I had no idea this was happening. And at the end, what I had said to Mike before we did the show, before we got to that segment, I said, look, it's some sort of tape deal. Why don't you come out of it? You say what you want to say, and I'll just take us to um, the finish. end of the show. Big finish. Well, Mike's speechless. Well, that doesn't help either of us, does it? Because <laughs> he says, I'm speechless. <laughs> well, now i got to say something. And I, I mean, I just said, all right, looks better than we do. <laughs> I mean, you know, I knew he would look better than we do, but he looks better than we do. And then I went Your to the standby. big finish. I was so, um, it's like the greatest honor to me. You know, I mean, I can tell you that getting a doctorate from my school or being in the Hall of Fame in my high school or all these other things, being up on the wall at the ballpark, those are all great honors. I mean, I've had a bunch of those things. But to have the former president of the United States of America tell, tell you and tell everybody watching how much he likes this show and what the show means, that was just thrilling and so generous. And you could tell that I was affected by this. You can put my dad in front of an open mic any place, any time, and he will have something to say. Yeah. And that was the first time I've seen you speechless. I could see the tear in your eye. And what's so it's not just a canned piece about the, the importance of, you know, meeting across uh, difference and dialogue in, in today's day and age. It's, it's, an, it's, it's a look at what the show means to any viewer out there. This just happens to be someone who was our two-term president, but you look at where the show was when he started and what it meant sort of through the rise of, of his professional career and how there's always that ability to get away from your day-to-day -to, -day to watch this show. And by design, it becomes something that you can sort of set your calendar around it and, and sort of look to that. He watched. He was a watcher. Um, yeah. I mean, I should quit today. <laughs> I, I can't do more than three more months. If I get out of the winter, I'm good. It's a great line about hoping there was a basketball game on, and then it was you. Yeah, and then it was and us. He slowly you grew guys. to like you. Yeah. yeah. It was done with wit and, you know, wisdom. Well, yes, I, yeah, that's I mean, who he is. That fella can speak. You know, he's, he's a good he talker. Yeah, and it was, and it was, he was dead on. I mean, that's what, when, when people talk to me about PTIs, inevitably they, they want to chat with me about it because they think for some reason that this show is actually PTI it's as not, well. This is not PTI. You know, the, the, the great thing about that show is you guys are yelling at each other, but you're smiling and laughing while you do it, which yeah. makes everyone watching feel safe and part of the con yeah, yeah, so it was, conversation. It was a wonderful honor for which I'm very grateful, and I'm attempting to write a personal note and attempt to be funny in it. How many drafts are you on now? Just about four. Can I make a suggestion? Yes. The very end, just be like, by the way, I don't know if you can help out, but I've got an RV on my street. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Could you get rid of this? Do you still have any pull in this city? Do you have any pull? 
All right, we'll take a break. Um, Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the policy genius ad. What's scarier than getting a box of raisins while trick-or-treating? And again, and I guess I'll have this all month, I like raisins. <laughs> Paying too much for your home and auto insurance, but policy genius can help you avoid that. Protect your property from mischief this spooky season with the right home and auto coverage. Does your home and auto insurance have you saying, oh my gourd, I'm spending too much. Let Policy Genius look for lower rates for similar coverage. Put down that pumpkin spice latte and log on to policygenius.com to check if you can get a better price on your home and auto insurance. It's free, and you can save money to spend on more pumpkin lattes. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. They've saved customers an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $435 per year on auto insurance, and they've saved new customers an average of $350 per year on home insurance. Getting started is easy. Head to PolicyGenius.com, answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Policy Genius then takes it from there. They'll compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. And if they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they will switch you over for free. Head to PolicyGenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is from Dan Thorner, and he writes, I'm a longtime little who grew up on Ingemar Street in the shadow of Chatter back when it was Chadwick's, and whose first memories as a reader are sitting next to my dad with the post-sports section open to you or Wilbon or Boswell. When I reached semi-celebrity status in my children's eyes by getting an email read a couple of years ago, I'm hoping this time you'll help me impress my wife. Attached is a song called Wasted Time. It's written and performed by Jonas Lejung. My best friend from GDS, where we rolled Murray in soccer and wrestling in 98 and 99. Eat it, Jake Coleman. You know Jake <laughs> this, Coleman. These are just so great. <laughs> Jonas wrote this song about the first few months of my relationship with my now wife when she went abroad to France and I went back to school at Penn just weeks after we met. We spoke on the phone daily, much to the chagrin of my phone bill paying father, and I told Jonas I was wasting time, saying I miss you instead of I love you, and he turned it into this song. October 20th was our 15th wedding anniversary. I should have invited you over for dinner to celebrate. Finally, hopefully in the Save That Email Michael category, I'm a second grade teacher who also runs Bulldog Baseball. We offer developmental leagues from first to sixth grade and a rookie power hour for kids who are Bootsy's age. All our programming is at St. Albans on Saturday mornings, and it would be a pleasure to welcome the youngest Kornheisers as my guests whenever Michael would like. Isn't Not ready for nice? the hammer. Dan Thorner, the hammer, is going to be a catcher. He's a thick little kid who's going to belt it out of the he park. He sees the field. This plays in Michael Wilbon. And let's start, since we have the reference to baseball. It's Houston and it's Atlanta. I concede I am surprised I wouldn't have had both when the playoffs began. Are you surprised? Tony, um, I don't know that I watched enough regular season baseball to have been surprised or not. I, I don't really care about either of the franchise. I care more about Houston. Yeah. Uh, because of Dusty Baker and because they've been, you know, they got to the championship game five years in a row. So I'm familiar with them. Um, I don't think I would have had both teams, but it doesn't, doesn't really matter. I don't know how baseball feels about it. 
Um, but it's not something that grabs me, you know? I just, I don't really care about it. And I wonder how much I'm going to watch. I mean, the games are earlier, like there's 7.30 first pitch. That will help. Oh, is that right? Okay, I didn't know they were that early. I okay, saw good. That. Well, maybe that, it, it, Tuesday I know I saw a 7.30 okay. first pitch, if that's true. Good. Um, I, I, that'll help me watch a little bit, but if it goes up against basketball, which I'm actively covering for this network, my network, then I may not. I, I don't feel compelled at the beginning to just sort of go, oh, yeah, man, I can't wait to see Ozzy Albies. I, I, well, uh, but know, I'll give not. you something. I'll give you something that may bring you to the set, okay? And I know what you rail against. These two managers are traditional managers. Yeah, 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 I like that, yeah. You know, and the changes they make during the game, to me, make a little bit more sense with the baseball I'm used to. So that yes, that's I, the I readily acknowledge that Tony um, and again Dusty Baker who I got you know yeah I know a little bit from from all the years we well, watched him with the Cubs been doing yeah managed the Cubs had some had a had a couple of teams that we thought were you know one of those years the best in the best in baseball and Dusty of course has had misfortune in October a lot of places yep. not, not just Chicago yep. but right here in Washington as well. Yep, yep. All right, I'll get off that. Let's talk about your dynasty of one. The Kansas City Chiefs, they appear to be in trouble now. I know you saw and I saw Mahomes on a fourth and 18 get hit Ooh. and get helped off the, helped off the field. Um, your thoughts about Kansas City. And by the way, Tennessee's a playoff team the last three. Tennessee is not some rum-dum team. They're a good right. team. They got a right. great running back and a good quarterback and a good defense. So. And and they just they, they they hammered hammered Kansas City in a they way did. yesterday, Tony. That while I have been mocking again, not the Chiefs. I have no reason to mock the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs. I like Andy Reid. Like everybody else, I'm mesmerized by Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and all these things. I, I I'm mocking the people who said that Kansas City was a dynasty at the beginning of this season. Dynasty of one one Super Bowl win one. Two appearances, one win. A lot of people have that. But, you know, on our yeah, network. Yeah, Seattle had too, that. Seattle, nobody know, said dy- Seattle yeah, was a Seattle dynasty. Seattle had that, yes. Nobody said they were did a dynasty. It get, did it become dynastic? Not exactly. <laughs> no. No. And so the, the Chiefs thing was just, I got so sick of it. I got so sick of it. I mean, as you know, this, I didn't start mocking this when the Chiefs started losing. I was mocking it at the beginning of the season when I first heard it. And so I want to see, I guess I want to see, maybe I won't want to see how all these people explain away Kansas City today. You know, all the shows will have to talk about the Chiefs. Yeah. And they're, 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 that's a, they're a bad team. They have no defense at all. No. They, have no, they have no defense. I mean, Derrick Henry carried the, he held the ball. He carried the ball a lot. He carried it 30 times. He got like 86 yards. That is not a great day. It's a bad day by Derrick Henry's standards. It's not a great day by any standards. And Tennessee won comfortably because they're a much better team than Kansas City right now, right? They're much yeah, better. Yeah, but they, but yes. But, but I watched some of that, Tony. And Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry still controlled the game. And I don't mean just with the number of carries and time of possession, which, which would be true. Tony, there are plays where four guys would go with Derrick Henry. I mean, Tennessee designed an offense yesterday where Derrick Henry would be gang-tackled while the play is going the other way. Derrick Henry's footprints were all over that game. And he was still 
the dominant Titan in that game because because they they you know they used him in such a way that I don't know what the the Chiefs were just fooled were they stupid I don't know what it was but for a while I turned on the game not red zone because I didn't want to see just red zone I wanted to see why the Tennessee Titans were hammering them. And even early in the game, tone the jump pass that Derrick Henry threw for a touchdown. Yes. He, you know, he, he, 80, 80 whatever yards did not tell the story of his involvement or his dominance in that game. Let me move to something that I thought, and I'm not suggesting that on the PTI show this is going to lead because I don't think it's going to lead. But I thought was the biggest game of the day was Cincinnati and Baltimore. Joe Burrow passed for 416 yards. Jamar Chase, who people said, don't take him. Get an offensive lineman because you got to protect Burrow. And Burrow probably said, I threw to this guy at LSU. I'd like this guy. <laughs> he gained 201 yards from passing with, with Burrow. Lamar Jackson showed you you can't be great every week. You can't be great at all every week. But at the, at the fourth quarter, Mike, they just ran right through yeah. Baltimore. They had two yeah. drives that resulted in 30 or 40-yard touchdown runs. They ran right. I mean, you looked at Baltimore in that. And you said, give me the tape of this game because this is how I can beat Baltimore, right? That was a big deal. Yeah, I don't know that other people have the wherewithal to do that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was, the reason I, I nearly picked Cincinnati in my, in my pool, Tony, was that, one, the Bengals are pretty good. <laughs> how about the Bengals having lost to the Bears? Unbelievable. Um, the Bengals are pretty good. And also, Baltimore had, had won these two, at least two, emotionally charged games. Yes, letdown game, yes. That were more yes. important to them in real time. I agree. And you can't be great every week when you're playing a succession of teams that are terrific. So I, I did think, I didn't have the guts to do it, but I'm sitting there filling it out on you know Saturday, and I just go, well, Baltimore's got to go down in one of these games, and... I wish I'd had the foresight to say to go down in this game. So I, I don't know that I, I don't, I'm not jumping off the Ravens now. Cincinnati had a great game, and at some point Cincinnati, maybe even this week, is going to face a similar circumstance. They're going to lose. They're not a, they're, all you can say about them is there is the real possibility that Burrow to Chase could be a big deal for six to ten years in the league, right? I mean, you can, yeah, you can yeah, see that. Burrow's great. Right, let me move on. You mentioned the Bears beating Cincinnati. Um, look, you, I'll tell people, you told me when that game hadn't even started yet, you called and you said, this is a 49-7 game. <laughs> this is a 49, I know you said this to me, this is a 49-7 game. You know, this is, that's what it's going to be. And it almost was a 49-7 game. How Justin dare feels, I think the Bears could get to seven. Yeah, well, <laughs> Justin Fields is not ready. He's not no. ready for that team. They don't have what they no. need for him. He's not ready. If no. you're Nagy, and by the way, you could get fired today. Well, maybe with different no, ownership. That ownership's not going to do they it, right? They're not they going to do that. They don't do that. Right. But no. if you're Nagy, can you, you should be going back to Dalton now. Are you going to kill this kid? You're going to get him killed. It, Tony, this is not a surprise. When Nagy was 12-4 and four in his second season, I said to you, I don't know if I like this guy. I don't know if he can coach. And the next year, I took, which is now three years ago, I said to you, Tony, this guy's a disaster. 
He's he's probably the worst head coach in the league. And there are things I bet he does well in terms of organize the team, get the team ready to play. You know, there, there, there's, 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 there's certain things he probably does really well. But on game days, he's, he's, he's awful. He's amateurish. He's incompetent. And you can see it. You can see it, come, you see it every week. And so, so the, the real danger here is not only that Fields is not ready to play now. And this is, you know, Tony Romo talked about this yesterday. And don't even ask me why Romo and Jim Nance were on this game. They were on it because of Brady, but... Yeah, Brady. Tony Romo yeah. said very, um, in a very humane way, he said, look, he said, one, he can't see... He can't see the defensive coverages yet. He doesn't know all of them, and nor should he, because he's a rookie. He said, there's that. And then he has no offensive line, and they're going to get him killed. And, Tony, my real worry is that he will be scarred in a way, and he will be uninformed in a way that will undermine his career because of this coach. I told you the first week when they played, when they decided to put him in against Cleveland, I said to you, Tony, this kid is never going to develop as long as this guy is the head coach. And so the, the danger in Nagy staying around is that, you know, the court, Justin Fields is never going to develop into what we know he has in him. And it's, it's sad. It's sad to watch if you're part of that fan base, and I obviously am. It's sad to watch week after week. That, that Justin Fields is not ready to play. No, he's and not. And his coach should be he's fired. Not. And he's all, not, and all I heard for weeks, again, from many of the same people, was how Justin Fields has to start. No, mm. he doesn't. He mm. doesn't. And there's, and I mean, these, you can you look. Know, Mac Jones that, is ready. Mac Jones is ready to play because he's in an offense that accommodates a certain type of quarterback. No, the Bears are offense. The, the coach accommodates yeah. them. The, 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 the Bears are going to get Tony, this kid killed. Tony, he doesn't. Nagy does, either doesn't care to protect him or doesn't know how. Either way, that is either negligence or incompetence at a level yeah. that says you can't be the head coach. When I when I say to you, how many years have I been saying to you now that head coaching in the NFL is the worst it's probably ever been, ever, and no one talks about it. People just love football so much, they just want to see it. They don't really examine it. They just want to see it. They'll examine whether a guy should have gone for it on 4th and 11 or not. But they don't really look at it and say, what are these people doing running these teams? The Bears are one of them. I, I, don't, I don't know if, if Robert Sala is a terrible coach yet with the Jets. I think it's way too early to say that because he's been there for seven games. But my God, that team stinks. That team stinks. Yeah, and, these, these teams don't oh. just... They, they, Tony, they're so bad in so many ways that it's fair to examine after seven games. It is fair to examine, okay, can, can this guy get this done? It doesn't mean he's a dumb person or a bad person or can't coach at any level. It doesn't mean that. It means that being a head coach of an NFL team in this day and age, it requires something that some of these guys don't have. And it is well, they fair. lost. They gave up 54 points. And by the way, 
What does Brian Hoyer do? I said this to Wilbon yesterday. What is Brian Hoyer doing throwing deep when you're up by 35 points with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter? What are you doing? If I'm Bill Belichick, I don't do anything on the sideline because I don't want to embarrass myself or my team. But after right. the game, I call Mr. Hoyer in and I go, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. He, not to a division he, he, team. He, he, We're not doing that. Unless there's some grudge that we don't know about, and maybe we'll find out today. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But did you, you can just you can you can go all around the league, and, and even people who've been praised, you know, lavishly and unnecessarily already. You just go, really, really? This guy's head coach material. This is yeah. what, this is this is the standard we've been used to. Would, would, could this guy have like, made a living as a head coach in this league in 1985? Could he? And, and I just check a lot of boxes and go, no. No, he couldn't. Because just look who was coaching that team in 1985. I, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. But, again, people don't really care about the level of football. They're, but, and even the people who are paid to assess it, they don't seem – or maybe they're just unwilling to criticize – the head coach as kingpin in American sports because they don't do it. All right. We'll see you later. Thank you. All right, Talk Tom. to you. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will take a break. Richard Justice will join us when we return. He'll talk about his hometown Houston Astros and give us a preview of the World Series. And I am Tony Kornheiser. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. There's big news from our friends at Simply Safe. They've just launched their new wireless outdoor security camera. That's right, Simply Safe, the system that U.S. News and World Report names best home security of 2021, just got even better. This brand new outdoor security camera is engineered with all the advanced tech and security features you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. It has an ultra wide 140 degree field of view, so you can keep watch over your entire yard. It has 1,000. 80p, I don't know what this means, HD resolution with an 8x zoom. That means for people like me, we have no idea, but we trust it. It means you can zoom, zoom in. Zoom in on that big yeah, construction sure, project yeah. next door. Yeah, right. and clearly see things like faces and license plates, if they have license plates, <laughs> to capture critical evidence. It has a built-in spotlight with color night vision, so you can keep an eye on what's going on day and night. It's super simple to set up and usually just takes minutes, and it has an easy-to-remove rechargeable battery, so it doesn't need an outlet and can go anywhere on your property. To learn more about this exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, visit simplysafe.com/tony. S I M P L I. What's more, Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and by giving you your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com/tony. Use the code, people. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser show. Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager. He had a faraway look in his eyes, I tell you, sir. He said, I'm looking forward to my winter on the beach, dreaming of 27 pitchers getting one out each. 27 pitchers getting one out each. The game has great traditions and a long history. Stretching way back to the 19th century 
the big train, the Bambino, and the Georgia Peach. But now it's 27 pitchers getting one out each. 27 pitchers getting one out each. The pitcher's mound, it used to be an all-day chore. But now it's looking more like a revolving door. Sandy Koufax used to throw all nine or more. That kind of ball has gone out with the dinosaur. I said, but Dave, sticking with your starter, ain't it cooler? Especially when you got those guys like Scherzer and Bueller. He crossed himself and Dobbin Dan says, here's what I preach. 27 pitchers getting one out each. 27 pitchers getting one out each. Dan Byrne is a genius. It's the same song every time. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. He <laughs> plays in Richard day. Justice. <laughs> Richie, is that song not great? Is that great? Yeah, that song is brilliant, and unfortunately, there's a little bit too much truth in that song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. All right. Let's get to the World Series. It's Houston and Atlanta. I did not have them going in. Um, when the playoffs started, I did not. Uh, the three teams with 100 or more wins are all out. A team with 88, Atlanta is in. A team that Atlanta didn't even weren't even over 500 in August at the beginning of August. They closed like a freight train, though. And Houston's been a really, really good team for a really long time. They're both in. I don't think it's the matchup the network wanted. I think everybody wanted the Dodgers in Houston. But what do you think of the matchup? Uh, I, I think I just enjoy the playoffs. I let it go. Like you, I expected the Dodgers or the Giants to be in the World Series. And I thought mm-hmm. Tampa Bay was the best team in the American League, head and shoulders. But you know what? You got to do it. I remember Sparky Anderson said one time, "Don't tell me who had the best team during the regular season. Tell me who is playing well and who is healthy when the playoffs start." And obviously, the Dodgers team that played Atlanta—that was a shadow of the Dodgers that they, the way they had outlined it. No Muncie, no with with Scherzer not at his best without Kershaw. And without just, when then when Justin Turner got hurt, they just were not the team they hoped to be. But listen, don't take anything away from Atlanta. They were gutted by injuries and some other things. They their their general manager remade their team at the trade deadline. They were forty four and twenty two down the stretch. They've got young pitching. To me, like if I look at the series, I say, okay, you could make a case the offenses are a push. Maybe even the bullpens are a push. But Atlanta's starting pitching is better unless Houston has those two guys, Rambo Valdez and Luis Garcia, to pitch out of their minds again the way they did against the Red Sox. That is exactly the note that I had taken down, that the Atlanta pitching is better, and they've come up with this reliever who was you know, out on the street for a couple of years. But when I saw Valdez... I just said, oh, boy, what if he's hot right now? What if he can give him two starts like that? Because Atlanta does not hit the way Boston hits. I mean, they hit well, but they're not, they're not killer hitters, I don't think. And so if Valdez and Garcia are good, I think that evens up, that evens up the pitching, right? Yeah, it does. It depends. You know, Atlanta has two guys who are out of their minds right now, Austin Riley and Eddie Rosario, who are just yes. out of their minds. Jordan Alvarez is out of his mind, too. And they have a future Hall of Famer in Freddie Freeman, so they're capable of it. You know what happened with Valdez and Garcia? They were part of these four young guys that the Astros threw into the mix in the playoffs. 
last year. Remember, they had a losing regular season, and they came up big. And they started, the four of them started 79 games uh, this year and had an ERA about 3-5. But down the stretch, they weren't very good. Luis Garcia is going to be top three in the American League Rookie of the Year voting. And you just didn't think they could get it back. And what happened was they both got their heads beat in in their first starts. And they sort of the whole club had a come-to-Jesus meeting with Correa, with the pitching coach. The, the pitching coach, Brent Strom, who's brilliant, told them a long story about the Finnish Army being outmanned by the Russians and held their own and all this stuff. I don't know if it meant anything to the players, but it was a great story for sports writers. And uh, they came out, and what Framer <laughs> Valdez said was, Look, I was humiliated in that first game, and I didn't want it to happen again. And also what you notice is the playoffs have an impact in different ways, and both those guys, their their velocity ticked up. I think Luis Garcia threw his nine fastest pitches of the season in, in game six and just dominated the Red Sox. You don't think he's got goop on that ponytail, do you? You don't think that that's why he's throwing <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's a good story, but you know they dress them down after they come off the mound. Um, we'll see. That that would wouldn't that be something if the Astros got into the World Series and and they were found to be cheating again? I don't be think so- Twitter could handle it. <laughs> um, so you've watched this team for a long time. This is a really really good team for a long time. There's four or five guys that were there. There's not that many. Four or five guys that were there uh, during the cheating situation are they driven by anger are they driven is their motivation different you think than other people in baseball or are they just a really good team and they have put that behind them they have not put it behind them with fans back in the stands this year at every stop cursed taunted signs held up uh i think one in new at yankee stadium was altuve Biggest rat in New York. That had a little New York, a little Bronx vibe to it. Uh, yeah. And what it did, though, was it brought them closer together in a strange way, and it hardened them. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what you think of me. We have each other's back. And so, like, Correa, obviously, the taunting, he thrives on it. He loves it. I think it bothers Altuve. I mean, I've known Altuve since his first day in the big league. I think it bothers him, and I think if he – if you put truth serum, he'd say he feels terrible about it. I don't think Bregman gives a rip. But what you have now with McCullers out, you have four guys that have been here the whole time, four infielders. And uh, I, I, I think they, they know probably that they're never going to escape it. So who's got my back? He's got my back. Correa's got my back. Bregman's got my back. And we have this new generation of Astros, these young outfielders, Alvarez and, and Tucker and the young pitchers. And – They've done the hardest thing in sports. They've transitioned as a roster and continued to win. Yeah, I did take the note that Correa seems particularly chesty. I did love when he said, it's my time. And I love that. But Correa is a guy, it seems to me that Correa said, you know what? I'll go right to the frontier. You want to take a shot? Take a shot at me. Do you get that sense about him? A hundred percent. You know, and different guys, you and I have known countless people through the years. Great players. George, Michael Jordan wanted the game on his shoulders. I, yeah. I've had players tell me, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that. And you see the, the number two guy on an NBA team, you see that a lot. Um, Correa wants to be that guy. I'm not saying Bregman doesn't want to be that guy. I think he absolutely does. And, and it's obvious that uh, 
Jordan Alvarez is that guy. But, yeah, I, and I think he just loves it. And I think he knows he's one of those guys that understands what we want, and he's more than willing to give, a, give it to us. Yeah. By the way, is it, it now appears to me, maybe I'm crazy, that Dusty's gone no matter what. I mean, they've had plenty of time to say, we're with Dusty Baker. I think they were looking for an excuse to fire him. I think two things have happened. One, they're in the World Series. Two, <laughs> I think there's such a bond between this team and this manager. And I didn't think I would say that because they were so close to A.J. Hinch and were so upset by his firing and that they got him fired, basically. Uh, but I think if they tried to fire Dusty now, and there could be an argument over money. I mean, and the, until the Padres hire a manager, um, Dusty's name is going to be in that mix. But he has said he wants to come back, and I don't think there's any question now. And I, that's, I'm a 180-degree change of heart on that, that they okay. want him back. It's, it's too it's, – Tony, what they, they were in chaos when he walked in that door. And, you know, you, he walks in that door, and there's such calm and dignity about him that uh, you, you find people that around the game that hate the Houston Astros. Hate the analytics, hate everything they stand for, but they're rooting for him because they want that guy to get a World Series ring. So great to see him wearing the mask and gloves. It's just so <laughs> great. Makes me happy every time I see that. Uh, they've got look. I don't want to sell them short. I mean, Houston is a team people are familiar with. Everybody knows Freddie Freeman, but they don't know Rosario. They don't know Riley. They don't know Duvall. They don't know Albies. These guys are Swanson. These guys are good. Uh, what they did in August and September and October, obviously, they're, I'm willing to believe, as you are too, that right now they are significantly better than the Dodgers because the Dodgers, the Dodgers can't put their best people out there. Braves are a good team, right. are they not? Oh, they're excellent. And, and go back maybe three years, they had the best farm system in baseball, and as we did prior with the Royals and with the Astros and with other teams. We said, this is going to result in a championship, and that's where they're at. Austin Riley was a guy that everybody in baseball said, when that guy gets to the big leagues, he's going to make an impact. And those young pitchers like Max Fried, uh, like Anderson, yeah. you know, they have Charles F. Morton going in the first game, which will be one of the weirder scenes in Houston because he was Against the most team. beloved player on the 2017. But, yeah, this is what happens when you have a great team. And, again, they were gutted by injuries. They, their second-best player is Ronald Acuna Jr. He was out. They lost Marcelo Ozuna to a domestic um, violence That's right. uh, suspension. That's right. Their best pitcher was gone, Mike Soroka. And they, their general manager, Alex Anthopoulos, said, you know what, I'm not accepting this. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to get Rosario and Jock Peterson and Adam Duvall and Jorge Soler, and we're going to keep going. And they've kept going. And they picked this reliever off the street. Is it his name is Matzek or something like that? Yeah, yeah. How'd he do? <laughs> off the street, it's like struck right, out the right, side right. the other night. Come on, yeah, and, all right. Yeah, they they're built around. Both these teams have really good bullpens. The Astros, the only weakness they had most of the year was the bullpen. And the general manager James Click went out and got three relievers at the trade deadline, and that's not a, much of a worry right now. All right, I'll allow you to pick Houston because you live in Houston. You're born and raised in Texas, but I'll ask you who you think is going to win this thing. Uh, I just think when you're on a magic ride the way Atlanta is, that, that it gets down to the whole is greater than the sum of the parts in some of these things. I just have a feeling that Atlanta's going to win. But, look, 
Well, I saw the Astros get wiped out in the ALCS in games two and three, and to come back to pick themselves off the map to get seven and two-thirds shutout innings in the bullpen and then just to just to obliterate the Red Sox the rest of the way. I, and I've seen them win so much in so many different situations. You know, and get to the World Series three times in five years, get to game seven that other time against Washington. I, I never count them. So, I, like, I, I can argue either way. But um, and that's probably what I'll do. I'll argue both ways. I think it's going to be a great show. I, you know, like you, I'm sure it's not what the TV networks want. Although the Astros as villains storyline, yes. we'll hear a lot of that. And, and they look, they can't complain. They wrote this check. What's done though? It's made it made Park louder than ever has before. The more America hates them, the more the city has embraced their their little guys. And uh, it's it's been it's been impressive to hear. Uh, hear the, what it sounds like in home games. N- nothing away from the Red Sox. Anyway, it was louder than I've ever heard it. But, yeah, it's what we got. Yeah, I'm going to watch, unlike Wilbon, who's now going to watch game four of the NBA's 82-game <laughs> season because that's what he gets paid to do. I'm going to watch the baseball. Richie, we'll talk to you during the series. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Richard Justice, boys and girls, we will take a break, come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Every year, United States businesses waste over $400 billion. That's $400 billion because bad writing causes confusion, misses the mark, or just takes too long to get to the point. On the flip side, better writing also helps businesses win and impress customers, enhance brand perception, improve internal communication, and strengthen relationships with critical partners. Better, faster writing means better business, which is why your team needs WordTune for teams. This is huge. But for my listeners that want to improve their entire team's writing right now, WordTune Teams is 50% off. 50% off. You know, I don't know. What is WordTune? So if I mean, go, I'm a good go, writer. Go to their website. You're a good writer, but not everyone has that yeah, power. If you're a Say bad exactly writer, you what need you something. mean through clear, compelling, and authentic writing. And they have this algorithm box, algorithm just for you, algorithm. where you can write a sentence and you can click on a button that'll that'll change it to a formal tone or informal. Because particularly when you're working with these teams and you're having, say, outgoing or internal messages, you have to you have to code switch quickly. Whenever somebody talks about teams. I think about the Giants and the Dodgers. <laughs> What's the record? I don't understand anything else. But WordTune improves writing efficiency up to four times. Better, faster writing means better business. When can your team use WordTune? Well, WordTune improves performance on any project, everything from internal emails to press releases, sales outreach to customer service support, and so much more. You can use WordTune anywhere you're writing online, including Google Docs, Slack, Outlook Web, and WhatsApp. Again, I'm lost on these things, but you people get it. Michael gets it. <laughs> Nigel gets it. Right now, my listeners can get 50% you had me off at WhatsApp. WordTune What's for up? teams at wordtune.com slash Tony. If you want to see the benefit of WordTune, you can try WordTune for free at wordtune.com slash Tony. But this 50% discount is only available for a limited time and only available for teams. You ought to try that. You ought to go see what it's like. And then if it works for you, you ought to use it. You might never see a discount like this again. Your team can start writing better right away for 50% off. And that's half price at wordtune.com slash Tony. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here 
comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all you folks. Do you want to do the Bethesda bagel there, Nigel? We got the bagel sandwiches today. We love that. We love Bethesda bagels. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say Raven Hair and Ruby Lips. Sparks five from her fingertips. Echoed voices in the night. She's a restless spirit on an endless flight. Woo! Witchy woman. See how high she flies. Woo! Witchy woman. She got the moon in her eye. That's Don Henley and Glenn Fry. That's a real early tune yeah. from the Eagles. And somebody at the Washington Post wrote a column about the 50 best Halloween songs and didn't have this in there. How can you not have that in there? I don't know. Hmm. Thanks to our guest today, Michael Wilbon, Richard Justice. Thanks to our sponsors, Simply Safe, Word Tune, Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Tracy and- Jordan's novelty record is definitely in that list. I don't know that That's one. That's for Sean. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jeff of Lebanon, Pennsylvania. After over 20 years of faithfully listening, I had the first of what I think qualifies as a genuine David Aldrich moment. You opened Monday's show with reference to the weather. I know you remember what you say, but what you said specifically was, look, where you are listening, I'm not aware of it, okay? If you're listening right now, you, Bill or Bob or Mary or Jeff, and that was it. That was my moment because I grew up in a family where my dad, Bill, was married to my mom, Mary Ann, and I had a brother named Robert or Bob, and there was me, Jeff. What I don't understand is why you neglected to mention my oldest brother, Will. By adding <laughs> Will, you have the added benefit of being able to make a sentence out of the names of my family. Mary Ann, Bill, Mary Ann, Bill, Will, Rob, Jeff. How do you like them apples? <laughs> anyway, I got a number. Anyway, thanks for the unexpected shout-out to the Robbins family. We appreciate the love. From Jeff Field in Wontaw. That is on Long Island, kids. Hey, Tony, you said you didn't know where Jeff listens to the show on Monday. Well, I was listening at the shop right in Levittown. That's all. That's fantastic. Love that. From Mary DeStanislav. Mary DeStanislav. I realize that I'm addressing the wrong medium, but I wanted to thank you for the shout-out to my cousin on the PTI the other night. PTI is almost always on in our house as we are preparing dinner. We like the hosts. Michael Wilbon and I go back to Northwestern, where I was the basketball coach, and he was with the Daily. I became a fan of yours from my days at Penn with Steve Bilski. I also caught that shout-out and your subsequent hosting of our sports banquet. It was a real joy to see my 96-year-old mother's face light up when she saw and heard her family name mentioned on TV. We're basketball family. It was fun to see clips of Billy playing gulp 50-odd years ago. This is Bill Melchione, of course. Fun fact, my mother noted that October 19th was her brother Bill Sr.'s birthday, too. He would have been 100. Billy was born while he was in the Air Corps, flying death-defying missions over China and Southeast Asia. He didn't see his son for almost a year. We are quite proud of both of them. Thanks for the mention. How great is that? Isn't that fantastic? How great is that? From Greg Thomas in Cincinnati, Ohio. A few weeks ago, I wrote to you for your wanton shaming of Michael to bring the ex-chair down from the attic. Imagine my shock when he finally did it. Then I hear you on the solo stove ad saying you have never experienced the joy of the stove. But now is the time for backyard fires and there's nothing better than the solo stove. So how long before Michael lugs it over for you to enjoy? (laughs) Then on the same show, you say you have discovered the buttons on the X chair for heat and massage. How long have you had this chair? And you're just now finding these features? So I expect any day now for you to regale us with a story about how Michael brings the solo stove over to your house for an evening and he brings the X chair out so you not only enjoy the fire but also the heat and the massage from the chair. While you're at it, Break out an extension cord and plug in the Revolution toaster and toast some Bethesda bagels. I bow to you, the king of passive aggressives. 
Keep up the good work. Just wait till there's a new X chair that I have to take upstairs. Oof. From Chris White it's on its in way. Matthews, North Carolina, a Navy veteran. Where'd this chair Duke come Energy from? Energy Investment Planning. <laughs> hey, Tony, I've been a huge fan of the show for a long time. This is my first email. Thanks for all you do. I thought Nigel and Carol would find this excerpt interesting. This comes from a newsletter I subscribe to, which you'll find below for citation purposes. Any Nigels reading this? You might be the last of your kind. There were at most two Nigels born in 2020 in Ugh. England and Wales, according to a new report from the Office for National Statistics. As for names like Nigel and Carol, as they fade away, an army of Olivia's and Oliver's is rising. They were the top names given for the fifth year running. Hang in there, Nigel. Uh, that's why I guess uh, the socialite calls Walker Oliver all the time. Oliver, yeah. Thinks he's an Oliver. <laughs> From Glenn Dillon in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Safe to, assume the, safe to assume the Boston Auxiliary Box is referred to as the Sox Ox Box. Do they serve a lunch box featuring Bethesda, of course, bagels with locks? Special seating reserved for folks from the Fox Sports crew? I'll hang up and listen. From Alan Podolsky in Cleveland, Ohio, no relation to Rich Podolsky, but thanks for pronouncing our name more correctly than Nigella Lawson and the Micro Wave. Dear Dr. Hoffel, I think I may have finally experienced my first David Aldridge moment. moment. To, to whom, blah, 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 try again. The woman to whom I'm not yet related by marriage, and I recently got engaged, and we were gifted with a nice bottle of champagne to celebrate with. I glanced at the label and I exclaimed, wow, it's from Willamette Dammit Valley. This drew a confused expression to which I replied, it's from Tony's show, so people pronounce it correctly. I don't think I've convinced her to listen to the show yet, but she did randomly blurt out, I hate Subarus and the people who drive them the other day. There is hope for her after all. P.S. If the show needs an official radiologist, I can donate my services. And from Elliot Olshansky in Comac, New York, who we love dearly. Yes. Given that Reginald the Monkey is one of the most responsible for keeping my interest in the NFL alive in recent years, <laughs> I tend to root against Chuck Todd's picks. However, when I saw that the Titans had won on Monday night, this was last week, I said to myself, oh good, T-Boy's got one. Now let's hope Mr. Latchelay takes his winnings and uses them to go see a doctor, because this past weekend could not have been easy on him out there in the swamp. <laughs> if he's still in the hole, and he probably is since he went one and six, and he went two and four this week, <laughs> maybe you can take him up on that invitation you received and go visit him, so that he could at least see a doctor of humane letters. Best regards from Suffolk County, where 25 years ago, Southampton College, then part of LIU, but now now a campus of your hated rival Stony Brook, gave Kermit the Frog a doctorate of amphibious letters. <laughs> oh, 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 this is better. Uh, not better, but good. Chief in Somerville, Massachusetts. Oh, sure. Is it true raisins taste better when you're wearing a cape? <laughs> Michael, have, have, you come, have you come to pick up your cape? We are moving this week, and the cape will, will have a place of prominence. That's wonderful. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. And now I'm out of time. I'll try to do better next time. Congratulations on 20 great years, knuckleheads. That was amazing. <laughs> amazing. Just amazing. We joke till 3 a.m.
Dodgers manager He had a far away look in his eyes I tell you sir He said I'm looking forward to my winter on the beach Dreaming of 27 pitchers getting one out each 27 pitchers getting one out each The game has great traditions and a long history Stretching way back to the 19th century the big train, the Bambino, and the Georgia Peach But now it's 27 pitchers getting one out each 27 pitchers getting one out each The pitcher's mound, it used to be an all-day chore But now it's looking more like a revolving door Sandy Koufax used to throw all nine or more that kind of ball has gone out with the dinosaur I said, but Dave, sticking with your starter ain't it cooler Especially when you got those guys like Scherzer and Bueller He crossed himself and Dobbin' dances, here's what I preach Twenty-seven pitchers getting one out each Twenty-seven pitchers getting one out each 